We are in week two uh, of our series called Breakthrough. And this is a 21-day series that is kind of running alongside a 21-day journey of prayer and fasting that we are in with our church. And we're pursuing God in these 21 days through prayer and fasting. Uh, we're pursuing him like never before in this unique way because we're desiring to see him move and to experience his, his power and his presence like never before. And we're seven days in, so I don't know who all's doing what, I'm, but I'm part of this thing, and I'm telling you, seven days in, it's getting real, folks. You know what I mean? It's getting real. And so uh, I don't know what fast you may be doing if you're being a part of this, but uh, um, there is definitely a felt sense of absence. And so um, uh, the hunger can be real, but listen, so is his presence. So is his nearness. And my prayer for you is that... Um, that you're already sensing God doing a work in you and, and, and doing things in your heart and things uh, in your life. And so if you're fasting, hear me, be encouraged, be encouraged, stay with it, stay faithful, uh, stay committed, be wise, um, because God is working. All right, so uh, today is about encouraging us in this season of, of prayer and fasting. And I wanna tell you, if you didn't jump uh, in on this uh, when we started it on Monday, you jump in on it today. Jump in tomorrow. It's okay if you do a 14-day fast. That's all right. The point is that you are creating space and creating room in a way for God to engage. And there's several different fasts that you can participate in. We've got some guides out there. And so if there's an area of your life, I just want to say, where you need breakthrough, where you need God to move, then this is a way... Um, to begin and be a part of that uh, journey. And so today is about encouraging us in this journey, in this uh, time of fasting and praying. And what I'm wanting to encourage us toward is what it looks like to pray with boldness. And what does it look like to, to move away from prayers that are timid to prayers that are reluctant and, and sheepish, right? And move toward prayers that are confident, prayers that are, that are bold. And I think sometimes we struggle to pray with confidence. We struggle to pray with boldness. And I re the reason I think that's the case, it's because we have a misunderstanding of our access to God, right? I think sometimes we struggle to understand the true access that we have to God. And so we're reluctant to pray big things and we're reluctant to pray confidently and boldly. You know, when I was in uh, college uh, in, in Marshall, I worked at a hardware store there, and at that time, I don't know if he does anymore, but at that time, uh, George Foreman lived in Marshall, and he would come in the hardware store every now and then, and um, he'd come in and buy well, whatever he wanted to buy. He's George Foreman, you know, in there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wes, he's in there spending that, that sweet grill money. You know what I'm talking about. And so, um, uh, if you don't know, he had a grill, and he made like a billion dollars with that thing. And so... Um, he would come in, he came in this one time, and if you've ever been around him or, or somebody like him, he is, first of all, a really nice guy and a mountain of a human being. He's enormous. Uh, I shook his hand one time and his fingers stopped about halfway up my forearm, you know? It's a really, a really big guy. And he comes into the store and uh, he's, wearing, he's wearing coveralls. It, he's obviously been working 
he didn't come in with a big smile on his face. And my buddy ribs me and goes, hey, you need to go talk to George and you know, introduce yourself and, and get him to take a picture and get him to sign some stuff. And I'm like, man, he don't look like he wants to do any of that right now. He just looks, I, I don't have access to him that way that I can just come up to him and go, hey, let me derail your day for a little while and get you to take a picture with some goober you don't know and uh, sign some stuff that you don't care about. He's literally... He, he hasn't smiled yet, and uh, he's an intimidating human, and I'm like, man, I don't know him that way, and uh, I, I don't feel like I have access to him to ask that of him, and listen, I think there's times that we struggle to pray with boldness um, because we feel like that toward God. We, we feel like that, like we are approaching someone who, who doesn't want to be bothered or has better things to do, um, but listen... That's a misunderstanding of our access to God. That is a mis... Hebrews chapter 4 says that we can approach the throne with confidence. Approach with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we pray like that? And how do we move away from insecure praying and move toward praying with boldness and with confidence? That's what I want us to discover. So grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 14, and what you see here is Paul is praying for the church, and he's praying a, a, a very bold prayer for the church. He's asking God to do big, powerful things. We're going to discover he's praying that, that the church at Ephesus would be filled with supernatural power. He's not praying that God would just make them a little stronger in themselves, but that he would give them spiritual strength. He's praying that, um, that they would be able to know what cannot be known, which is the love of Christ, and that they would be filled with what cannot be contained, which is the fullness of God. He's praying this bold prayer, and he tells us in verse 14, in his first few words, that there is a reason for this prayer. There is something that is facilitating this prayer, that is giving this prayer access. He says in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Well, for what reason, right? What's, what's facilitating this prayer? What is giving him access here? He tells us a few verses before that. And here's what's happening right here in Ephesians chapter 3. Really, Ephesians 1 and 2 and the first part of 3, uh, Paul is writing and he is, he is teaching us who Christ is, why Christ came. He is unpacking the beautiful mystery of the gospel, teaching us about Christ. And right here, kind of in verse 14, the letter kind of swings and he goes away from teaching us about Jesus and he says, okay, now that you know who Christ is... He spends the rest of the letter saying, this is how you should live in light of that knowledge. This is how it should affect how you walk in holiness, how you treat others, how you honor your spouse, how you raise your children. He immediately transitions to this is what knowing Christ looks like when it's lived out. And it's right here around verse 14 that he makes this kind of this pivot. And so he tells us, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Well, he gives us the reason a few verses before. So jump up to verse 11 where he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has re realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here it is. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
And so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul's suffering at this time was that he was in prison. He was writing this from prison. Paul said, it is Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. He says, because of Christ, I'm, I'm praying for you. Because of what Christ has done and who Christ is, the way is made for us to have access with boldness and confidence. And so Paul says, it is from this position of Christ-facilitated access that I bow my knees before the Father. And church, I want you to hear me here. We have the same access. We, Paul did not have access to God that we do not have. We have the same access in Christ, which means we can pray with the same boldness. Amen? So let's look at Paul's prayers. Look again at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, would you speak to our hearts through your word. Jesus, we want to come under your name, the name that is above every name. Where every knee bow and every tongue every knee bows and every tongue confesses that you are Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move and illuminate the word for us this morning. Renew our desire to pray, renew our confidence in praying, increase our courage and our boldness as you increase our knowledge and love for you. So God, I just pray you would do this in Christ's name. Amen. So Paul's praying for the church, right? And he is. He's praying because he knows that the spiritual breakthrough the church at Ephesus needs and the experiencing the power of God at work in our lives, it begins and is sustained in prayer. And, and he's praying to see God move in powerful ways. Listen, breakthrough in your life, seeing God do the impossible, experiencing the power of God at work in you, it begins in prayer and it is sustained in prayer and it isn't experienced apart from prayer. And Paul knew this. He says, I'm praying. And there's this understanding that true spiritual power begins in bold, earnest prayer. I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Hour That Changes the World. And uh, it's written by a guy named Dick Eastman, and he said this about, about this. He said, no matter our position in life or natural abilities, to be mightily used of God, we must first understand a fundamental principle of spiritual power. And here it is. What we do for the Lord is entirely dependent upon what we are in the Lord. Further, what we are in the Lord wholly depends upon what we receive from the Lord. 
And what we receive from the Lord is directly proportional to the time we spend with the Lord in prayer. Do you see the line he draws from what we do for the Lord to the time we spend with him in prayer? There is a direct, and what he is saying is, he's saying if we aren't spending time with him, then we aren't receiving from him. And if we aren't receiving from him, then we aren't becoming like him. And if we aren't becoming like him, we aren't going to see him do in us what only he can do. But do you have a desire to see God do things in you that only he can do? Man, I do. Here's why. I've, I've seen what I can do. I'm an expert in what I can do. It's not that great. It's just not that impressive. It's not. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to live a life that's just content with just experiencing what I could do in my own power. I want to see the God of impossible things do impossible things through me, not for the sake of my name, but just for knowing that his glory was, was shown and his power was on display in my life because I wasn't afraid to pray with boldness and courage because I'd been given access to Christ. I want to see God work in me, and that is directly proportional to the time that I spend with him in prayer. So what does it look like then to pray this way? What does it look like? To pray with boldness. Now, don't hear me say arrogance. Demanding our rights. Nobody demands their rights before God. Uh, I'm talking about a bold, humble, confident. Confidence in prayer. Well, let's unpack that. Bold prayer. Here's where we're going to start. It begins with the foundation that God is able. Bold prayer begins with the foundation that God is able. Look at verse 20. Paul uh, prayed for these things because he believed that God was able to answer the prayer. And he ends his prayer, he prays in verse 14 through 19, and he ends this prayer by giving us what is the foundation of the prayer. Look at verse 20 when he says, Now to him who is able... Oh, if we ever get captured by that little phrase right there, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be powerful. That word able is a word that's a Greek word that we have talked about quite a lot this year at New Beginnings. It's the, it's the word dunomai. If you remember what that stands for, what does that mean? It means what? It means power. That's right. That's right. There's some straight A students in here. Well done. The rest of you, come on, get your stuff together. So uh, it means power, right? It's this explosive power. It means to, it means to possess uh, power, to have power. Paul used, Paul loved this word. He used it uh, all over his letters in Romans 16. He says that God is able. He has the power to, to strengthen us in the gospel. In, in 2 Corinthians, he says that God is able. He has the power to make all grace abound to us. The writer of Hebrews says that God is able. He has the power to help you in your temptation. And Jude in verse 24 said that God is able. He has the power to present you faultless before the throne. To keep you from falling. Right? That's the, that's the power that we see that is on display. So when we think of this little phrase, God is able, now to to him who is able, what needs to come to our minds is the unequaled, supreme, glory-filled, sovereign power of God. 
That's what needs to come to our minds. The unequaled, sovereign, glory-filled power of God. That's the foundation of Paul's prayer. And when, he, um, when, we, when we look at that little phrase, now to him who is able, I think we see some really beautiful realities that, that, that come alive for us in that little word and in that little phrase. Realities that actually facilitate our praying with confidence. Realities that help us move out of reluctant, um, um, timid prayers. The first one is this. I think in that word able, in that phrase God is able, and to him who is able, we see the reality of God's sovereignty. That God is so- Do you believe that God is sovereign? We see that reality, that he has all the wisdom and, and all the power and all the authority to do whatever he chooses. That's God's sovereignty. All the wisdom, all the power, all the authority to do whatever he chooses, and there is no limit to what he can do. God is sovereign, and we see his sovereignty in that he is able. We see the reality of God's omnipotence. What does that mean? His, the full measure of his power, that he's all-powerful, meaning that he possesses all power over all things at all times. God possesses all power over all things at all times. His power is infinite, which means this. That if God is able, and if he's truly sovereign, and if he's truly all-powerful, then there is not one millisecond in the arc of eternity that escapes the sovereign, omnipotent power of God. Not one. Not one. We see the reality of God's sovereignty and his omnipotence, and we see the reality of God's glory. What do I mean by that? I mean that... Every sovereign and and powerful act of God radiates his glory and his majesty. Every, Every time he moves, every time he answers a prayer, it is to radiate forth his glory. And so bound up in this little word, now to him who is able, is the sovereignty of God, is the power of God, and is the glory of God. And that is the foundation of our prayer. That's the foundation of Paul's prayer. The unequaled, incomparable, supreme, sovereign, glory-filled power of God. So now let's see the prayer that Paul prays on that foundation. He prays in verse 16. He says, because God is able, what is this power able to do? The first thing we see, it's able to strengthen you. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul isn't talking about the strengthening of our bodies. He's not talking about strengthening our muscles. He's talking about the strengthening of the inner person. Right? He's talking about that innermost being. Listen, he's, he's talking about that part of us that is really who we are, right? That part of us that's gonna live forever. And he's praying that God would strengthen that part of us with his power, that unparalleled, sovereign 
power and that he would bring that and do that through the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's showing right here. He is praying that there would be a strengthening with power through the filling of the Spirit. Now listen, it's important to, to pay attention to something here. Paul isn't praying for a little shower of spiritual strength, right? God, if you got a minute, might throw a little something my way, get me through the day. That's not what he's praying. He's not praying for a, for a tiny outpouring of blessings. But that, that's how we pray sometimes. That's how I pray sometimes, Right? There have been seasons in my life where I would characterize and categorize my prayers as if it's not too much trouble kind of prayers. Anybody with me on that? You feel that way sometimes? Um, that's not how Paul is praying here. Paul is praying for a super abundant outpouring of, of multiplied blessings that are, that are flowing from God's divine riches for the strengthening of our souls that is facilitated through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, why do we need this strength? Why would he pray for this supernatural strength? And here's the reality. Let's just be honest for a minute because we are spiritually weak and we get spiritually weak. Right? We go through trials that deplete us and, and we come against temptations that, that wear on us. And we battle with challenges and struggles that are, that are too great for our natural strength. And so we get exhausted and we get frustrated and we get spiritually depleted because we're throwing all of our natural strength at a supernatural issue. And we get spiritually weak. How many of you just would be honest with yourself? You don't have to raise your hand, but say, man, I'm, I feel like I'm in a season of spiritual weakness. Does that, does that describe you? Now, none of us look spiritually weak when we come to church, right? No, we, we, look, we look sharp. We come in here with our Jesus strut on, making sure nobody knows we got a messed up life, Right? Spiritual weakness is real. Paul recognized it because the entire church of Ephesus was dealing with it. And listen, New Beginnings, we're not immune to it because those of us that make this place up, we got it. And we battle it. And he's praying for spiritual strength. He, because, so we, we need this divine strength. And listen, this is why... You're not going to be around New Beginnings long on a Sunday or a Wednesday in this room and not hear us talking about a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. It's why we pray for that. It's why we, we ask for that. Because, because the power that is at work within us, the power that is working in the lives of believers, doing supernatural things, listen... It's not the power of our devotion. It's not the power of our will. It's not the power of our imagination. The power at work within us is not our ability to please God, but God's ability to work in us to please himself. Just let's sit with that for a minute. Let's just sit with that for a minute. The power at work within us, the power at work within you, if you are a believer, is not 
in your ability to please God. Here's what that means. You do not, um, by doing more for God, you don't make God more happy. And I think some of us live in this defeated cycle of the better I do, the happier he gets. That's not even biblical, man. Here's why. Because if you are in Christ, you are already loved to the full measure of the love of God. You are already accepted to the full measure of acceptance by the love of God. You already belong to him. You don't have to work to belong more. He's already called your name and changed your name and changed your nature. And no measure of your good doing makes him shine more on you and love you more. I hope that helps somebody. I really do. Because the power that is at work within us as believers is not in our ability to please God. The power that is at work within us is God's ability, God's sovereign, self-glorifying power working in us to please himself, to bring about his will, to see his glory done. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what this is. Which, by the way, your highest measure of satisfaction and contentment in this life is found to the same degree that God is glorified through your life. So him desiring to please himself through you should be the highest thing you're aiming for because guess what? That's where your full measure of joy is. Your full measure of joy is tucked right behind God glorifying himself through you. This is why Paul's praying. I'm praying that you would be strengthened in this. And that comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's why we pray for that. So, Paul says God is able. He has the power through the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in your inner being so that his ability can work through you. The next thing we see, Paul says, God is able. He has the power to fill you. To fill you. So that in, in filling us with the Holy Spirit, in strengthening our inner being, we're able to experience a, a deeper and fuller understanding of who God is and who Christ is and his love for us. Look at verse 17. Paul says, I want you to be strengthened, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the inner person. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's two words that just leap out of those two verses to me. It's in one in 18 and one of them in 19. They're two slightly different words in Greek, but they have a very similar meaning. It's the word comprehend and know. Paul says, I want you to comprehend the love of Christ. I want you to know the love of Christ. And both of those words in the original language mean more than just um, a, a mental understanding. They mean more than, than a mental uh, recognition. These words together mean to take a hold of something and make it your own. That's what he means to take a hold of something and make it your own. So that when Paul is praying that you would comprehend the love of Christ, 
and you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's talking about more than a cursory uh, mental knowledge of, of God's love, more than just a simple, um, yes, I, I believe God is loving. He is talking about having experienced a transformative love that is beyond your mind and has taken hold of you. He's talking about a love that you have experienced personally and having, having experienced the love of Christ personally, having it fill you up, it now has transformed you and it defines you so that you cease defining yourself by anything else. I see you, but I wish I heard you a little more. You know what I mean? Keep going, brother. Paul is saying, he's praying that the love of Christ would fill them up in such a way that it would take hold of them. And in taking hold of them, it would define them. And that they would cease trying to define themselves by anything else. Now I want you to just consider your life for a minute. Just consider, I'm gonna consider mine, you consider yours. I want you to consider What do you use? What are the ways you define yourself? Those that love you most and are closest to you, how would they fill in those blanks? How would they define you? I'm sure they'd say a lot of good things, right? But how liberating would it be for us as believers to truly be able to move away from trying to define ourselves by anything other than the love of Christ. Because if I am resting in the love of Christ, no circumstance, no relationship, no, no situation at work, no hardship, no struggle, no sickness, no disease, no battle, there is no thing. Because you know what God has said? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What if we were only defined? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you to comprehend it. I want you to know it. I want it to take hold of you and to define you. This is what he means when he prays for us to be filled with the fullness of God. This is to fully experience God and, and all that he has for us through the love of Christ, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is powerful. Because what does it mean to be filled with something? What does it mean to be filled with something? It means to, to be in its grip. It means that that something becomes the controlling influence over our lives. That's what, that, that's what I think, that's the picture he's painting. In, in 2016, I went on mission to Africa, and, and I remember we got to the airport. We load up on um, this plane. It was a 747. I had never been on a plane this big. This thing was enormous, right? It was a double decker. There's a whole bunch of people above us and uh, we're on this massive plane. It's huge. I looked it up. It weighed like 210 tons. That's not a joke. That's how much those 747s weigh. They're big, right? And I'm on this plane and I'm thinking, man, here's all these people and all this technology is around. Look at those massive engines sitting out there. And then I see the tanker truck pull up with the fuel and I immediately have the thought, 
Without that fuel, none of the rest of this stuff matters, <laughs> right? The technology on this plane doesn't matter. The, the beauty of this plane doesn't matter. The power of these engines, they don't matter until we are filled. Until it gets that fuel, this is a 210-ton paperweight. That's what it is, right? Does it have the ability to fly 18 hours to Africa? Sure. And by the way, if you ever get a chance to fly uh, 18 hours in coach, I'd recommend it. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> and so, but none of it matters without being filled, right? And that jet fuel, once it fills, it becomes the controlling influence, right? Because it controls the engines. And, and the engines control those turbines and make them spin, which pull that air through at an incredible rate. And it pulls it through so quickly, it presses that wind under those wings. And 210 tons gets off the ground and flies across the ocean. Listen, to be filled with the fullness of God means that God is the controlling influence. It means that God is governing our feelings rather than our feelings governing our perspective of God. God is governing our feelings. God governs our desires, our emotions, our thoughts, our hopes, our relationships, our words, our actions, our reactions, our calendar, our bank account. God is controlling all of that so that when we are filled with the fullness of God, at any given time, you may come against anger. You may come against fear. You may come against sadness or loneliness or hurt. But those emotions don't allow, aren't allowed to control when you are walking in the fullness of God. Paul says, I want you to know what cannot be known. <laughs> I read that, Paul goes, I want you to know the love of Christ and oh, by the way, it's unknowable. Come on, Paul. You're killing me, man. In Romans, in Romans chapter 8, he's, I think it's 8, there he's going to say, I, I, I want you to look at what can't be seen. You know, Paul, I want you to make sense. And so, <laughs> I feel like Paul and Yogi Bear would have been great buddies. And so, the, uh, but what, what is he saying? He's saying, you can't know it on your own. It's supernatural. It requires the filling of the Holy Spirit that you would know the love of Christ. Right? But he's saying, I want you to know what can't be known. I want you to be filled with what can't be contained. And I want it to define you. And I want it to control you. This love of Christ and the fullness of God. And what you're going to discover in that is that God is able. Final thing we see from Paul he says that God is able, he has the power to do far more abundantly, far more abundantly. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Here's what this means. That God has all the power necessary to do all that we ask him to do. But all that we ask him to do is not all that God intends to do through us. God has the power to do all that you can ask him to do. 
But what we're discovering right here is all that we can even dream to ask him is not all that God intends to do through us. There are things that God wants to do through you, believer, that you don't even have the recognition to pray for right now. You don't even know to ask for that because you can't dream that big. We can't outdream him. We can't outask him. Paul is saying God wants to move in you in such a way. This is the God whose ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are not ours. And Paul said, not only is he capable of, but he desires to work and move in you through ways you can't even imagine. Meaning this, he acts and moves beyond the boundaries and and beyond the limits of anything that we can do and everything that we can do so that where we stop, God starts. When we come to the end of ourself, that's where God is just beginning. Not a him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. What is that? That's God's power, not ours. It's the Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. From the very beginning, God's people have prayed boldly. They've had to pray courageous prayers because they've needed the God of the impossible to bring impossible breakthrough for them. And every time that we see that when they would pray and and God would move in powerful ways, every time God moved, he would reveal more of himself, more of his nature, more of his character. So in every answered prayer, there would be this discovery more of who God is. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, I want you to be with the fullness of God, always discovering more. I'll give you an example. In, In Genesis 22, Abraham is on the side of a mountain and he's about to sacrifice his son and he needs breakthrough. He needs God to move and provide a sacrifice. And God provides a lamb. And Abraham calls that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. That's what he calls it. In in Exodus 15, we hear him called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. In Exodus 17, God's people are losing a battle to the enemies. And the Lord tells Moses, I want you to raise that staff up like a banner over the battle. And as long as you do, I'm going to give victory. And Moses did, and God did. And Moses said, oh, you are Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner. In Judges 6, we see him as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Psalm 23, he is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. In Deuteronomy, El Elyon, the most high God. In El Roy, the God who sees. El Alom, the everlasting God. Elohim, the strong creator. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Adonai, the Lord, our God. And these just scratch the surface of who he is. But this is the foundation Not a him who is able to provide, to heal, to be the banner, to see, to shepherd, to move, to create, to transform, to the almighty God. To him we pray for strength, for filling, for power, for supernatural breakthrough. This is the foundation. And you have access in Christ to come boldly before this God's throne and be courageous. 
Here's what you can trust. That every word you pray, he hears. Okay? Every word that you utter to Jehovah Jireh, he hears you. Every word you utter to Jehovah Rapha, he hears you. Jehovah Nisi hears you. Adonai hears you. El Elyon hears you. El Shaddai hears you. Every word you utter in earnest prayer, he hears you. That doesn't mean he's going to answer the way you want. Because <laughs> by the way, Adonai, he's the Lord God. And it doesn't mean he's going to answer in the timing that you want. But what you can know is he will answer, and his answer will bring him glory. And in his glory, you find your good. His glory is always for your good. So we get to pray courageous. We get to pray bold. So here's, here's how I want us to finish this morning. First of all, I want to tell you, if you have not met this God and been captured by the love of Jesus. Philip talked about it earlier just a few minutes ago and he said, you remember that moment when Jesus changed you and the chains fell? If you don't have that moment in just a minute, you need the second the music starts playing, you need to start moving and you need to come say, I need Jesus. I want to live this life, but it begins in a relationship with Christ Jesus. If you have done that, then here's my challenge to you. There's some E320 cards right across the front here. Ephesians 3.20, what we just worked through. And if there is an area in your life where you need the God who can do impossible things to bring a breakthrough, you need supernatural power, you have a God-sized prayer that he needs to answer. What I want to invite you to do is just come write it on one of these cards and leave it here. And I want to commit to you, we pray for them every single, you don't have to write your name on it, just write what you need God to do on it. And we pray for them every single week. I think some of you need to come and you need to stop trying to do all this in your own strength. And you need to pray fresh for the Holy Spirit to fill you, for the God who is able to, to fill you and to strengthen you so that he can work through you. And so I'm just calling you to come pray. Come, come pray at the altar. Come write your prayer request. Come grab one of us by the hand. And we'd love to pray for you and ask God to bring that breakthrough. But he is who he is, and his word is true. So let's go boldly before the throne. Let's stand. Father, thank you for loving us. And thank you for... Thank you that you are able, God. You are able. And so we come to you, Lord, not in our strength, but surrendered, submitted to the God who is able. So spirit, move in Jesus' name.